Welcome to session 177 of the Scanner School Podcast. Today, we have a great interview with Lloyd Van Horn from DXCentralOnline.com. There's a lot of links that we have in today's session, and make sure you grab them all by going to ScannerSchool.com slash session 177. Today's podcast is sponsored by our two brand new training courses, our free SDR course, the Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Software Fine Radio will get you started with SDRs in an afternoon. We will show you what hardware and accessories to buy to get started with Software Fine Radio. Then we'll show you the step-by-step how-to to install the drivers, tune your first frequency with SDR Sharp, and then have you monitoring digital at the end of this free course. Our advanced course continues with beginner's course left off and levels up your SDR experience. In this course, you'll learn even more about software-defined radio. We will show you how you can substitute an SDR for your high-end digital scanner, how to monitor HD radio, monitor trunk systems and overhead data with Unitrunker, and even how to monitor all the talk groups on a system and never miss a beat with SDR trunk. You can sign up for both courses at courses.scannerschool.com. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com Patreon or www.scannerschool.com support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Blurpy Benner, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Pasco, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Eddie K., Edward Bramblett, Evan Barak, Gary Fletcher, Guy Lee, Jack Haycock, James Braxton, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim B., Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lynn Smith, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Robert, Robert Kessler, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Signals Everywhere, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, Tom Barrick, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Now, today we've got a really great interview with Lloyd Van Horn from DXCentralOnline.com. Now, we have a couple of links in this podcast, and I want you to make sure you grab them all because Lloyd's got an unbelievable website. He's got a great YouTube channel, and he's very active on Twitter. And you may be asking yourself, well, if today's podcast session is titled AM and FM 
DXing, what does that have to do with the scanner radio hobby? Well, let me just say that it kind of goes hand in hand here, right? DXing, when it comes to FM radio, we're looking at some of the close to the same frequencies, VHF, right? And what could be true for one may be true for another. For example, right, the the FM broadcast band goes from, say, about 87 megahertz up to 107, 108, right, here in the U.S. Just beyond that is aviation and federal VHF and public safety VHF and average radio VHF, right? There's, there's a lot that, that kind of goes in, in, in long there. And again, as we're going up though, right, the maximum usable frequency would have to go up as well, but it can happen, right? So a lot of what Lloyd and I talk about today can be done with a scanner. Now, it's also interesting too, because this could be a introduction on how to do this, because Lloyd's going to explain in our conversation here, how you can get started with equipment you already own and how easy it can be to let this part of the hobby bite you, okay? Because once it takes hold of you, it's not going to let go, right? This is this is something that you can, you can do on a nice night or an early morning and, you know, some alone time, right? When, you, when everything's quiet and, and maybe the kids aren't awake yet and those kinds of things, or they've already gone to bed and you want to spend some time outside. That's kind of what I do and how I enjoy this part of the hobby. So with that, we have a pretty long conversation with Lloyd, so I'm going to just let it go here. And make sure you stay tuned to the end of our conversation because Lloyd shared a very interesting story that I can really relate to. So with that being said, I want to introduce Lloyd to the podcast. Lloyd, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So for anybody who's uh, not familiar with what it is you do, why don't you give us a quick rundown on who you are and what uh, what it is that, that you do in the radio world? So currently, I am the founder and kind of operator of DX Central. We have a website, dxcentralonline.com, and a YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash C slash dxcentral. And it's really, it's a specialty, a specialty site in AM and FM radio. I'm a former radio guy who was in broadcasting for a while. So because of that, and, and I also had a background, you know, when I was a teenager, I was a pretty big AM DX or a little bit of FM, mostly AM. So it was always kind of the part of DX that I really enjoyed the most. I do ham radio and some other stuff on the side as well, but AM and FM DX was really where my interest was. And it kind of started last year during the pandemic, kind of when everything kind of originally broke out. My wife was like, well, both of us were kind of in between jobs or whatever, looking for stuff to do. And I said, well, I'd love to teach you this DX stuff that I do if you're ever interested in it. She knew about it and kind of heard me talk about it. So I kind of started teaching her and I started thinking about if I'm going to teach somebody how to do what I do, how would I do that? And that kind of sprung the idea of you know the website and the YouTube channel. So, um, so yeah, I was kind of born from that. And it's been uh, growing at a very, very fast rate in the last year. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Before very that, nice. though... Yeah, before that, I was uh, I was a columnist for Monitoring Times Magazine, which a lot of you guys probably rec- remember from Grove Enterprises. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the Global Net column, which was internet radio, talked about streaming online and things like that, and you know, kind of bringing my radio background into it into the column. So that's it's kind of where most people kind of got to know me from. Between that and my parents, Larry and Gail Van Horn, both pretty prominent members of the the radio community. So between them and, and the, the global net column, people kind of recognize who I was when I started doing DX Central, which was nice. 
yes, it's it's always nice to to ride on coattails a little bit there. A little bit. And that's what's cool. To, <laughs> and that's what's cool though. You and I have a lot of the same backstory. And in fact, now you brought up to the global net column. You might have added one of my websites into your column at one point too when it came to online streaming. I don't remember if it was you or somebody else, but I would stream every year the air show, which ties mm-hmm. into a lot of what your dad does. And I, I remember somebody in Modern Times Magazine plugged my other uh, website, W2LA.net, where you can oh, yeah. stream the air show online. So now I'm wondering if it was you or if it was somebody else, but I have the paperwork in a drawer over here. I actually, you know, cut out that page and uh, went to frame it. I don't know if I ever ended up in a frame, but if it's not in the frame, it's in a drawer. But, That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 always cool to be <laughs> something like that. Yeah, it sounds familiar, actually, now that you mention it. That sounds like something that I, I remember putting in at one point, but it may not have yeah, been me. A couple years ago. Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely yeah. a couple years ago since, you know, MT went away. Yeah. But again, like I was saying before, like you and I have got a lot of the same the same story here, right? I mean, our parents were both big into the radio hobby. I mean, my, my dad more than my mom, right? My my dad was into CB. My mom was into CB. My dad then got into got into ham radio. My mom ended up getting her license because there wasn't any cell phones back in the day like mm-hmm. they are today. So in order to say, hey, I'm coming home for dinner now, they needed the amateur radio license. And I grabbed my scanning background from my dad. And again, I passed on some of this to my wife now, and she tolerates it a little bit. <laughs> and my daughter, who's seven years old now, is is she's getting the bug. She likes to listen to what's going on. She knows what's happening when the tones go off on the radio and that kind of deal. And it's cool, though, because like you said, when you wanted to teach your wife how to do it, right, how would you do that? And that's the same thing that sparked up for me for scanner school is, is if I were to teach somebody how to do the scanner radio hobby, how would I do it? And it it brings a lot of this together. So I think you and I have got a lot of the same things going on here. In fact, I even did a very, very, very short term as a columnist for, uh, what was the name of the magazine now? It was, it was Digital Print, and I just had the name of it on the tip of my tongue. It was a regional publication that was just online and print by magazine, and it'll come to me as soon as we're done with this. But uh, but I think I did a whole two months as a stint on there. So basically, I, I replaced somebody who, who passed away, and then after I started with it, I must have been like the kiss of death to that uh, magazine because <laughs> it was over right after I started with them type of deal. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah th- 30 years of monitoring times, and then I go in there and as a global net columnist, within five years, it's gone. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, well, yeah, that's <laughs> it's what happens. But it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, I, I, I know they wanted to retire, and they did a really great job keeping things going, and monitoring times was a great magazine. And yeah. uh, part of what made it so great was, you know, your family right because every every spring would be the 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 air show guide right mm-hmm. and i would have those pages i'm gonna tell the same thing to dad I'd, I'd have things highlighted and circled and the whole thing you know i was always one of the big things i would i would reach out and grab but uh, a lot of good magazines they just ended up times have changed right and that's what ends up yeah. happening here but again like we're saying here too a lot of things are staying the same because what you're doing right now with am and fm dxing i mean i'm going to have you explain that in a second but that's a hobby that's been around for a long time and mm-hmm. with newer technology though it's a little bit easier right and i remember reading uh we'll touch on one of the columns you had you had recently wrote on your website in a minute because i got a, a common story to that one as well but um but explain what it is. What what is AM and FM DXing? What is well, what does DX mean? First of all, for anybody who doesn't know, right? So DX is the search for distant signals, right? It's a shorthand from the old telegram days for distance, and it, it's it's you know whether you're talking about shortwave radio, AM radio, FM radio, ham radio, the goal is pretty similar. It's to to hear as many stations as you can, especially those that are 
you know, further away from you. You know, when you're talking about ham radio, the first time I talked to somebody in Antarctica, I almost almost lost it. I was like, holy, you know, I can't believe this. I'm talking to someone in Antarctica. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, and same thing with AM radio. You know, I remember one night when I was living in Brasstown at mom and dad's place, I was up on the on the radio just doing some dialing around. It was a typical, I think, a November night. And there are certain frequencies that you kind of get to know exactly who you're going to be hearing. And you can hear it for a second. You're like, oh, that's so-and-so. And one of those for me there was 1140 kilohertz, which was WRVA in Richmond, Virginia. So I kind of was just kind of dialing through. And if you don't hear one of those stations you expect to hear, you kind of stop for a second, right? And I didn't hear WRVA. heard something different. I was like, well, that's not them. And I kind of stuck around for a few minutes, and all of a sudden, I realized from North Carolina, I was hearing High River, Alberta, CHRB, and up in Canada, which is up kind of above Montana, way, way, way up there. And I was like, wow, that's that's pretty crazy. And it's just one of those times where that distance part really started to kind of sink in for me, like, this is this is a far, far, far away catch for me here. And so, yeah, it's it's a lot about that. It's, it's easier, I think, on the AM side. FM takes a little more patience, a little more practice, a little more luck. You know, because you have to have the right atmospheric conditions and things like that. Would right. you, you do an AM too? But FM, it's a little more kind of controlled by that. But right. Well, you also talk about a completely different range of frequencies too. Oh yeah, so absolutely. A whole right? different set of characteristics. So. Oh yeah, behave completely different. Yeah, and and yes. I think you know, last year as an example, we had nothing for an FMDX season here. Where I am in, in Charleston, South Carolina. I know a lot of folks around the country did. They had a pretty great FMDX season, but we had hardly anything here. But um, you know, this has been a really good AMDX season for me. I kind of always set up a series of goals before I go into the season. I was able to achieve all of those. And one of those kind of was adding new countries. I wanted to add five new countries to my logbook this year. Got that. And the, the last one was actually a tiny little station down in Peru. And then going back to that kind of distance thing, it was a little bitty station in Peru. And I was listening and I heard this signal coming in and I was like, what is that that's going on? It almost sounds like kind of religious chanting or something. And then I just playing detective the entire time, which is part of the fun, right? You know, you get the same yep. thing with like scanners and stuff. What is, what is that signal? I got to figure out what exactly. this is I'm hearing. And, you know, you, you play detective and you get to figure it out. And then, you know, through all your research and figuring out, you finally realize, oh my God, this is something amazing. And, you know, that's, that's kind of one that I think kind of helped DX Central this year get some people's attention was that Peruvian that I heard because people were like, oh, okay. You know, he's hearing stuff like that. Let's let's actually give this guy a chance and hear what he's got to say. And I definitely saw like the YouTube subscriber count kind of go up after that and the Twitter followers right. go up after that, uh, which was great. So, yeah, it's 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 all about trying to find those stations that you, you haven't heard before, especially if they're not anywhere remotely close to where you are. So that's it. Right. Now you're saying the DX season, the AMTX season. What what's the season? When does it start? When does it end? And why is that the certain time of year that you would do it? Yeah, um, it really, it, it's, it kind of kicks off in the fall. I mean, depending on where you live, it may kick off a little earlier than other folks. You know, the further north you are, where it starts getting, you know, especially if you have like the northeast quarter of the, of the United States, you might get a little earlier dark than you would say in the middle of the country or something like that. So mm-hmm. it all kind of depends on how the darkness path goes. And, you know, here in the Southeast where I am in Charleston, South Carolina, we have a lot of thunderstorms and things like that in the summer. And that extends into like October, November with hurricane season. So for me, it really kind of gets going around November here, but some folks start in October, September, and it runs through the winter months, which is a, you have less daylight, daylight, creates different layers in the atmosphere and those layers absorb am radio signals rather than re- reflect them back down to earth and because of that 
the more daylight you have, the stronger that layer is. So that's why summertime, for example, between that and usually thunderstorm activity that happens, you know, you hear lightning crashes on AM radio. Between those two things, you're going to have less of a chance to hear weaker stations during the summertime than you would during the wintertime when you have less of that atmospheric layer kind of absorbing AM radio signals and it's a lot weaker. It kind of goes away quicker and you don't have as much thunderstorm activity. So that runs through about February or March right now. You know, people are starting to already kind of here in April to start to see some of those changes in April and May. They're starting to see some of those changes where it's you're starting to get more of that daytime absorption. You're starting to see more thunderstorm activity. So for a lot of folks, the season's over. I tend to not look at it that way. Some of the best DX catches I've ever received are actually in summertime. Dead summer, July on a portable radio in the middle of in the middle of the heat of the summer. I heard mm-hmm. uh, South Dakota from North Carolina um, one night just out of the blue. And so, I mean, you hear these things that you're never going to hear any other time of the year during the summer. So my season runs basically like I start the calendar over in August and I run that through July at the end of July. And then August 1st, I start my calendar again. That's my seasons, how I run mine for AM or okay. at least. So pretty cool. And you're using just regular old paper log. Is that what you're doing to, to log all these or? Yeah, I'm a bit of an old school that way. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a paper log that I have. I also do keep a computer log because I kind of get analytical with my idea, especially when I'm starting to gather kind of my goals for the year. Um, Uh So I I transfer all of my my logs from the paper log into a database that I built at a Microsoft Access database. Um, so I can export that and then I can say, okay, what frequencies do I have the fewest number of stations on? You know, what time of the day, what what radio have I really been DXing off a lot of? What, should I try one of the other radios? Things like that, right? So it gets you a chance to kind of find those holes in your logbook that you can try to fill it in. And that really, when you start doing stuff like that, it helps you get your accounts way up. So it's a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new at the same time. Right. Do you find that, because we were just talking before about daytime and nighttime, do you find anything like, uh, so I know on, on uh HF, when we talk ham radio, you, you kind of follow the gray line. Do you find right. that the gray line helps you as well when it comes oh, yeah. to uh, to DXing? AMDX, absolutely. Yeah, gray line is a big, big part of that. Um, you start looking around two hours before sunrise, two hours before sunset uh, in your local area. And it lasts up until you know, about two hours after sunrise, two hours after sunset. And you start getting that enhancement. Back in the 90s, when I first really kind of got into AMDX, you could actually follow it when there was, you know, more stations that were signing off and, you know, kind of doing daytime only. Now it's everybody has this like 12 watt or 200 watt nighttime power. And so it's not as prevalent. But back then you would actually sit there and as the gray line moved, you could hear this group of stations kind of come up on a frequency and they'd sign off and then they'd kind of go away and the next group would come up. Right. 1580 was one of those frequencies. I used to, I have like 30 or 40 stations on that one frequency lifetime because I do, would just sit there and listen to them come up and down, up and down. But yeah, you get a lot of enhancement on, on, on the gray line. A couple of things with that. One, you have the propagation enhancement because you're kind of having that mixture between that daytime when really you're getting a lot of absorption in the atmosphere. So the only thing you're hearing is how far along the ground those signals go out. We call it ground wave. So how far along the ground will those signals go out? And then you also start to have a little bit of the erosion of that that layer. It doesn't er- erode in a very uniform way. It kind of goes in pockets, right? So you right. may have one area. Yeah. So you may have one area where it's absorbing a lot. And then right next to it, there's an area where there's a hole and it's kind of reflecting back a bit off a little higher level in the atmosphere. So you get these weird propagations during sunrise and sunset where things just operate much, much differently. You might get a little bit of the ground wave. You might get a little bit of the sky wave, what we call the nighttime signals when that D layer goes away. 
So you might be getting a little bit of both. So it's, it's very, it's a very interesting time. Plus in the United States, at least you have these stations where that happens to be, especially in the winter time when these radio stations are doing their morning and afternoon drive. So they mm-hmm. ID a lot more frequently. They're doing weather updates, especially like in news talk stations are doing weather updates and traffic updates and things like that. And usually it's like, you know, weather every eight minutes right here on whatever the you know, station is. So you're going to be much more likely to get an ID anyway, and you have better propagation helping you out. So that's why those are the peak times for me to try to find stuff now on my DX sessions. Right. And again, it's exactly reminds me of a story when I was growing up as a kid, my dad was big into listening to AM radio in the morning, right? That's that mm-hmm. was part of the routine. And we just had a regular radio in the kitchen that sat above the refrigerator and it had nothing more than the bar antenna that was in in the radio, right? Nothing outdoors, nothing nothing crazy. And every morning during a certain time of year, as it was like 6 a.m. or so, getting close to 7 o'clock, we would hear not the local station that was in New York City, where it was only a couple miles away from us, but we would hear Louisiana come in or New Orleans, you know, something like that. And it would only come in for a couple of minutes, but it was there strong enough to overpower, right, the local AM station. Mm-hmm. And then just like that, it was gone. And then we listened back to 1010 or 880 or whatever it was that was uh, the local station at the time. But uh, it's pretty interesting how these, they just, they, they can come in and they can go. And again, I know there was a time I took a trip upstate New York and not thinking anything of it. I just turned the car on and I was flipping through stations and it's like, oh, that's crazy. I can hear that station all the way up here. They must be putting out a lot of power. Well, we get back in the car after dinner and no, they're not there anymore. So either they changed right their their antenna pattern or their power outputs. Again, they, they changed right their antenna patterns at dark. Or it could have just been that it was just the right time of day to be hearing that frequency tunnel up there. So yeah, they popped uh, up, yeah, yep. But AM is uh, it's it's definitely a a fun part of everything. Like you said too, it's I, I guess for you it's got to be frustrating, right? Because if you're hearing something that you don't expect to hear, and it's not during an identification window, then how do you figure out who it was <laughs> you were listening to, or you or is it a lost cause at that point? It's it's definitely a lot different now than when I first started. When I first started, I remember one night it was about two or three o'clock in the morning. I was doing some DX and when I was living in Brasstown, and I was on seven hundred and fifty, which for me, I, I was like two hours north of Atlanta, and 750 is the home of WSB in Atlanta, a huge 50,000-watt clear channel station. There's nobody else even remotely close to the, the the state of Georgia that's allowed to broadcast at night on that frequency because of that. And so I was hearing underneath them a very, very weak station broadcasting UPI news. And I heard them, you know, UPI network news or whatever, right towards the top of the hour. And then they were just gone. They disappeared. And I, I went over every piece of literature I could find at the time. The internet was very, 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 very new. And this was like 93, 94. So I was on this very primitive version of the internet trying to see if there was anything I could find. Um, this was way before streaming or anything like that was up. Mm-hmm. So I had to resort. I was just picking up the phone and calling every radio station that I knew that was on 750 saying, do you guys oh, wow. carry UPI network news? Right. So that's, that's what it was back then. Now, you you try to see okay can i pull up a does the station have an online web stream can i pull up their web stream and try to see if what i'm hearing from them matches what i'm hearing in my my ears right do you also have the this proliferation now of people who have software defined radios or sdrs these kind of you know computerized radios that they have they put them online all around the mm-hmm. world so you can say okay let me see i think that might be utah let me go see if there's anybody who has a web sdr near utah and you go online and you try to find somebody and you listen to theirs and say okay i can hear that signal it's probably them you know kind of helps you kind of narrow right. it down 
So those are some of the tools we just didn't have back then. And so a lot of times, and I find this especially with with international DX where I don't speak the language, right? I'm not a, a native Spanish speaker or anything like that. So when I'm trying to figure out, okay, who is the station that I'm hearing? Even if they're broadcasting an ID, I might miss it because I just don't speak mm-hmm. the language. So those online streams really, really help to be able to kind of parallel it up against what I'm hearing on on my ears and say, okay, that's the same music. That, that one has an accordion here and it has a little thing right here where it has some horns. Okay, great. That's the same thing I heard. That's who that is, right? It helps me kind of narrow that down. Right, right. I got you. So they still do QSL cards or is that a thing of the past as well? Mailed QSLs are pretty rare. I just, yeah. I don't, I, I got back into the hobby. I had taken some time off when I was in college and other things like that. I was living in an apartment. So I just didn't really do a lot of DX for a while. But in 2012, I got back into it pretty heavy and I just started mailing out reception reports left and right saying, Hey, give me QSL. I got like hardly anything back. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just not something you see in the print world, uh, you know, print QSLs right. much anymore. There are some folks who will email and get some like EQSLs, but you know, back from a okay. chief engineer or whatever that says, yeah, well, that's us. I don't tend to go that route anymore. I just, I don't have time to keep up with it. I know the people at the station don't. So what I do is I collect recordings. I put them all up. Well, not all, but I try to put them up at my YouTube channel under the, our, we have AM and FM air check sections, uh, playlist there. So I try to put up my playlist up there for, you know, anyone who wants to see, Hey, I think I'm hearing the station. Lloyd has an ID from that station. Let me see if what he has here kind of sounds what I'm like, what I'm hearing. Right. So it hopefully helps other people out, but that's how instead of collecting QSLs, like I used to, I have a big binder of them from the nineties over here. Now I collect air checks I and mean, that works just as well because no one's going to doubt if I have an ID that says, you know, WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut. Well, that's clearly WTIC in Hartford. So. Gotcha. That's pretty cool though too, because again, that gives you something that people are going to look out for and it gives you credibility too. Like, Hey, I'm actually doing this. And here is, you know, the results of, of how I'm hunting these things down and finding them. One of the things I used to enjoy doing I still do it actually. It's, it's, you know, you go back through your QSLs and you kind of remember that DX session where you heard them, right? You know, I can still remember these very specific DX sessions, like hearing 1130 out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin one morning at six o'clock in the morning before I got ready for school and, you know, things like that. You still remember that. But the cool thing about the air checks is now I can hear it. I can actually hear what it was that I heard mm-hmm. at that moment. And so it's really a lot of fun to go back in and, and replay those again and hear those air checks that you've had and, you know, and share that with other people so they can, they can hear it and maybe they can get excited about it too. Right. So what do you normally do when you, when you're hunting for that, that DX station, are you going up and down the dial or are you leaving it on a frequency that you're expecting to hear, or you leave it like somewhere parked and like something that's quiet in your neck of the woods so that you can bring in something better? What, what's your typical exercise when you're trying to do something on DX? You know, early in the season, typically, especially, or even, you know, those kind of those, those peak parts of the season, I'll have specific things that I'm trying to do. So like in October, November into December, I'm really trying to see if I can hear stations on the other side of the Atlantic. Um, here on my location, here on the coast, I have an opportunity to hear stations in Europe or in Africa and be a little bit more enhanced because the, really the only thing between me and them is saltwater. And that, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's a really great amplifier for those signals and kind of helps them get over here. So you'll hear them like a, a really big one that most people are going to hear if you tune your radio to 890 kilohertz in that time of the year and around sunset ish. Okay. You're going to hear this really high pitched sound. And that's, it's called a one kilohertz heterodyne. And that het 
is because there is a station one kilohertz up on 891 out of Algeria that is just a massive station, massive amounts of power. And, you know, people all around the, from the East Coast into the Midwest hear that, that one kilohertz hit. And that's how you know that's a station that's right off that frequency. And if you get the right conditions and you get the right amount of signal coming into you, you can actually hear audio on 891. And that's, that's one of the things I try to shoot for. This time of the year, it's really, I'm, I'm chasing Latin American DX. I'm looking south. You have the best chance of kind of what we call trans-equatorial DX this time of the year, um, going, you know, down into Brazil and Argentina and things like that. During certain periods, like this, this last year, one of my goals was to try to add more New England states. So I would say, okay, I'm going to go look and see on the sunrise and at sunset, am I getting anything from Vermont or from Rhode Island or things like that? And I was able to add everybody this year except for New Hampshire. That's the one that I'm still chasing after. I even got Maine. Wow. Congrats. Congratulations <laughs> on that. that that's, I mean, it's yeah. good when you have those goals like that and you're able to hit them. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it, and that's really, you know, that kind of that targeted approach, right? Is looking back mm-hmm. in your logbook, seeing what it is you're missing. And then in doing a little research, um, there's a website out um, called Mesa Mike's. And with Mesa Mike's website, what you can actually do is you can say, okay, show me all of the stations in Maine. And you can filter it down for just that. You'll say, okay, here's all the ones in Maine. And you can try to say, okay, which ones do I have a good shot at hearing? This one's only a thousand watts. Probably not going to hear that one. That one's 5,000 watts. It's on a frequency where I have nothing really else there. So let me try that one, right? So it helps you research your targets and what it is you're looking for. Another good website is called MWList, like medium wave, like MWList.org, mm-hmm. because they have not only US stations, but also internationally as well. You can see stations all around the world on that frequency. So that's another one that I'll use both pre-DX, you know, I'm kind of researching, and then while I'm DXing as well to help me narrow down who it is I'm hearing. That's a, a site that I use pretty much constantly. Excellent. That was one of my questions too I had for you was what online tools you're using. So I'm glad you went through that. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Reader user should at least 
put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers, having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, Phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware, or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works? The podcast might be great for you, but... Maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely, and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. What are you using as far as equipment at home uh, to do your DXing? So about three years ago, I finally bit, you know, I've been very hesitant, very resistant to this whole SDR thing. I remember in the 90s, I think it was when radio came out. And I remember thinking, I was like, that just sounds stupid. I mean... You're going to have interference from your monitor and it can't, it yeah. can't, you know, it can't do any better than my radio. I would, I right. Or it's inside off. your computer, right? There's all that noise yeah. inside your computer and you're going to put exactly. the radio in there. Like out of all the places you want to stick it is in a noisy environment. <laughs> <and> you're in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. You know, I was like, I have a Drake R8 radio sitting here in the shack. How is it going to ever do any better than that? And then finally, you know, dad was kind of like, Hey, look, this thing's come a long way now. The technology's come a long way. They're cheaper now than they used to be. Try it out. And so he recommended one. I, I think it was the AirSpy HF Plus Dual was the first one that I got back in 2018. And I'd really, I'd seen these guys like the Perseus and stuff like that. And I was always jealous because, you know, they would have these massive recordings of the entire AM band. And then they'd right. just go back and, you know, review it at their leisure whenever they wanted to. And I was like, well, that sounds like a really great idea, but come on, really? Is it really working? And I couldn't afford a Perseus. And then I got the AirSpy and it, com- it completely changed everything for me. I got the AirSpy and then that same time frame, 
I got a um, W6 LVP loop. That's a magnetic loop. You can stick it about, you know, a foot off the ground or 10 feet off the ground or whatever you can do. And it really does help you pull in signals. It's, it's a lot quieter. You can turn it and for, you know, directionality point, point of view and kind of target certain stations. So that combination really kind of woke me up a bit to, okay, okay, now I'm starting to, to start to get some of the catches that these guys are getting that I've always been kind of like, how do they do that? You know, because you'd see them at like, you know, the NRC or the IRCA, the, the DX clubs that are out there or online or whatever saying, you know, I heard this station today and I'm like, how do they hear that? How do they hear Haiti? Mm-hmm. You know, how do they, how do they get this stuff? And so I was starting to kind of chip into that. And then this last year, I started doing a lot of research more into SDRs and also around antennas. You know, I have a, I live in an HOA neighborhood and have a limited Ooh. area backyard, <laughs> right? So bad for you. Yeah, right. So it can be one of those things where, you know, I, I want to do something really awesome. But right. for me, the, the biggest constraint is space. The HOA is not so bad. Wire antennas kind of blend in. They're not terrible for AMDX. FMDX is a little bit different. But, you know, mm-hmm. I have a I have a four element Yagi beam <laughs> mounted on the back of my show. I'm just waiting for a knock on the door. <laughs> but the AM, it, it kind of blends in a little bit because it's just a wire up in the air. But I'm kind of limited by space. So this year I started researching ways to do like a really effective AM DX antenna in limited space. And one of the ones that I found, they're called terminated loop antenna. So basically what it is, is you have in this particular format, I'm using what's called a CAS and it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a Delta shaped antenna. And on one end, you have a little amplifier box that basically is that's the direction your DX comes from and it amplifies signals from that direction. On the other end of your antenna, you have what's called a termination resistor. And what it's basically built to do is to reduce the signals coming from that other direction. So by doing that, you know, let's say normally a loop, you would have something that's kind of bi-directional, right? I'm pointing it north and it's also getting stuff from the south. So I'm getting both. Right. Well, this gets rid of, let's say, the stuff in the south. And all I'm really getting is stuff towards the north. And that stuff is amplified now. So I get weaker signals there. So I started researching that. And so now I've got two of those. And they have absolutely, completely changed my entire DX world. I have heard things this year, the past year that I never thought I would ever hear, thanks to those two antennas. And you know, I recently upgraded them to even bigger, to, to the absolute maximum amount of size that I could do, and it, it even an even bigger difference. Now I'm hearing even more. So it's just... wow. Yeah, it, it's that. And now the SDRs and having the ability to record, you know, that entire AM broadcast band and then go back and review it afterwards. Cause you know, you, you're on a frequency here in ID. Great. But there's a hundred and some odd other frequencies where someone else yes. is IDing right now. Right. Right. And so this gives me the option to grab all those. And so I have six SDRs at this point in the shack. I've got three air spies, uh, two of their air spy HF plus discoveries. One of those I use for my portable operations when I'm out at the beach or something like that. I have a RSPDX from SDR play. We have a, we have a Perseus now. I added that this year and I just recently picked up and I haven't had a chance to do a lot with it, but I'm starting to. It's the ELAD FDM S3, which is a massive, huge SDR, but it's, um, it's got, bandwidth on there, I can basically record almost the entire HF band. I can record the entire FM band at once. And that's the first that's been out um, that lets you do that uh, 24 megahertz wide. I can record Jeez. the entire 24 megahertz at once. You need a big hard so drive for that. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's sitting right on top of the ELAD right now. I'm looking at it. I have an eight terabyte hard drive that's nothing but AMDX stuff. I'm about to add one for FM too. So, <laughs> wow, because <laughs> it's yeah, you, you just have to. I mean, those things. It's right. it's a massive amount of file space for those. So yes, yes, but it's it's a typical hobby though. I mean, it's like you just yeah. keep adding one up and you keep one upping. And then again, too, I've got the Air Spies. I don't have the HF or the Spy Verters for them, but mm -hmm. I do have the the uh, SDR Play. Uh, was it the RSPDX? Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm in the same boat you're in. I'm not in an HOA, but I got a small piece of property here. I'm, I'm on a hundred, 60 by a hundred, but I'm on a corner property. So I lose like 10 feet on two sides per sidewalk, right? So I don't get mm -hmm. all the hundred feet on either side. So I think my whole backyard has got to be like 20 by, by 60 or 20 by 50, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've, I failed every time I put up an antenna on there. I put a random wire up there. Nope. It's nothing but noise. I put something else up there. Nope. Nothing but noise. You know, it's like. But uh, this loop you're talking about and the uh, the Delta thing, that sounds sounds interesting. Do you think it would fit in a 20 by 20 space or how much room is it actually taking up in your yard? Yeah. So the, the first iteration that I used was I was following very closely to the original design that I saw, which was for every foot, for every four feet in width, you have a foot in height. So that original okay. iteration was 12 feet high, had a 12 foot painter's pole in the middle and then 48 feet wide. So that got me. And then, you know, a really great start. I recently found that if I cleared out some brush in my backyard, I could get a full 70 foot out of one of the antennas. And the other one was about 65, I think. And then I recently picked up some fiberglass telescopic masts from this company called Kitty Hawk in North Carolina that go all the way up to 22 feet. So now I've got 22 foot apexes and 70 foot wide bases. It's not true to the one before, but a lot of folks are running these kind of 22 by 70 foot, 22 by 60 foot CASs and seeing really great stuff. So I went, I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to try it. And it's, it's made it a huge difference. I have way more gain than I used to, even with the 12 by 48 though. I mean, the 12 by 48 is what I heard Peru on. Um, okay. It's what I heard Colombia. It's what I heard Ecuador on. And so I've, I've heard a lot of stuff on that smaller antenna into Europe, uh, things like that. So it, it, it can definitely do the trick. And, you know, even for a compromised amount of space, it, it can still get you some really great DX on AM. Nice. So as far as the hardware, though, you're actually pretty much sticking it now just to uh, SDRs? For the most part, I did last year because I, I, I had one growing up. Mom and dad had one and I loved it. I, I found a uh, Sony ICF 2010 portable on eBay that was in pretty good shape and uh, one of the later models. So it's sitting in here. I like to take it out with me to the beach and stuff like that, especially for spotting. I have, I do have my, let's see, I have my ICOM ham radio HF transceiver I'll use every once in a while. Not as much anymore. I was using it last year. Now it's in the shack, it's pretty much SDR driven. I have a, a piece of SDR software that I've found that I use with my Perseus SDR. It's called Jaguar, and it was specifically made for AMDX. And now I don't really <laughs> like the DX with anything other than that software because it's it's so amazing for AMDX. It gives you everything you could ever need right then and there at your fingertips. So I kind of tend to stick with that one. Nice, nice. So I, I remember uh, what I, I like to do is is uh, I got the the icon radios as well. So, but I buy the the, the icon. We have the R one, the R one hundred, the the R ten, the R five, the R six, mm -hmm. and like you were saying, you know, sit outside at night in the summertime. It's one of the things I enjoy doing as well. You know, I just I just break out the long antenna and and just tune around, just to see what's what's coming in. So a lot of the stuff, you know, is short wave based. But um, every once in a while, I I drop down all the way into uh, 
the AM broadcast band. And it's, it's, it's definitely interesting, you know, just to tune around and, and hear what you can hear. And especially in a late night when it's quiet out and there's, there's nobody else around type of deal. And you can spend just a little bit, even 10 minutes, you know, just tuning around the yeah. dial and, and just seeing what, what comes in. So even if you, you mentioned like, you know, you find something local, it could be a ball game for a couple minutes. You could find out who the home team is, you know, it's, it's yeah. one of two teams because, you know, it's either, it's either the home or away, right? And you, you figure out where the, where the broadcast is coming from. So there's, there's a lot to it. And, you know, a lot of it holds true too with, with shortwave broadcasts, right? Listening is you mm-hmm. find the schedule, you find who's on, you know, who's on what frequency and you see if you can hear them, but it's, it's, um, you know, AM for what, for what you're doing, right? It's a lot, a little bit more fun than, than shortwave because shortwave is getting to be a lot of the same stuff lately. It's, it's a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, the, the, the same, same programming. <laughs> it's the thing I think for me, I, I had this with shortwave because that was how I originally kind of got started, mm-hmm. right? Cause you know, in the, in the family, you know, dad was always kind of back then, especially he was the, the utility world guy, you know, listening to military communications and mom was in you know, space stuff too, like satellites and stuff like that. Mom was always the, uh, the short wave person. She, she was doing the, the center section for monitoring times, all the English schedules. And so I remember I was about seven years old and she sat me down and she was like, okay, let me introduce this to you. Just show you what it is and see if, if, if it sticks. And I remember listening and we were listening to BBC. And uh, did my little reception report, seven years old, wrote them, got my little stock QSL that I used to send out. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And then just kind of didn't really do anything else with it. And then I started getting a little older and I started becoming more interested in like this aspect of I got back into shortwave radio because it gave me a chance to kind of get a glimpse into cultures and daily lives in some cases that were not mine. You know, I really enjoyed, I got this from my mom. She's the same way. She loves listening to the stations of the tropical bands, South America, you know, South Pacific, Africa, stuff like that. I remember Ghana was one of the ones that kind of blew me away. I was like, I'm listening to Ghana right now. And right. It's, it's a little more localized than what you hear on some of these international broadcasters that are made for an international audience. A lot of the tropical bands is more for like a region or like the local kind of area. And so that's what I found in AM and FMDX is, you know, with this AMDX stuff, especially you know, you're sitting there in the morning listening to the sunrise recording and, you know, they're giving you the weather. They're giving you, here's what the traffic looks like. And now you know some of the names of the different communities in their area and some of the major roadways. And here's some of the news that's going on. Well, they had someone who just won the lottery. That's awesome. You know, whatever it might be, it's just, it's right. this glimpse into a life that's outside of what you have. And you get to see how similar people are to what you have, how different they are to what you have uh, as, far as, you, as far as your experience. And it's it's fascinating. And plus, I'm kind of a geography nerd. So I loved learning, you know, that's how I learned the 50 states was, you know, I know where all of them are. And I can sit there in that little game where you sit down and you have a piece of paper, right? And you give yourself two minutes and you write down all the states. It takes me about a minute. And there's, you know, my wife was like, I always forget Delaware. And I'm like, not me. Because <laughs> I remember chasing after Delaware for all those years right. and not going to this whole rant. You know, that's the kind of stuff for me that makes DX really amazing is you get to combine that cultural aspect, you get to have the the geography, you get to have the science with all the antennas and the technology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There are so few hobbies out there that give you all of those things in one. And depending on how your interests lie, if you know the technical side is more your your kind of thing, you can really get into that. You can really get into building your own kit radios and building your own antennas and equipment and stuff like that. But if if it's a geography thing, maybe you're you know more about accumulating countries and states and stuff like that. And if you're really into the the cultural part, maybe you're listening to the content. You're not really chasing after, you know, I want to have 50 countries. You know, you're not doing that kind of thing. You're just listening for the content. So there's really 
whether it's shortwave or AM or FM, the, the broadcast side for me has always been the part that gives you something for everybody. Right. And then again, too, it could be something like I grew up in this particular city or whatever, mm-hmm. and you, you try and hunt that one down too. I mean, I got a, a oh, yeah. funny story with that as well is when I went to college, I was um, a new part of New York for me was all the way up in the North country and I'm down on Long Island. So to me, it's a lot of people and it's congested, right? Where I went to school was nothing but cows. <laughs> and it was a whole new world up there, but I didn't realize that I was only 30 minutes away from Canada. So I have a, a you know a rock station on that I found the night before that sounded pretty good to me, and that uh, kind of I kind of love Canadian culture now, just on the TV shows I watch and the music I listen to. But hearing them for the first time, you know, I'm up there. I'm like, I, I know it's going to be cold up here, but they're saying you know it's going to be like 20 degrees out today, and I'm like, what? And it was just 80 degrees yesterday, you yeah. know, and I don't know what the exact conversion is to Celsius, but they were, they were speaking in Celsius because it was a Canadian FM station I was listening to. So, you know, I, I, I can relate a little bit to that getting the culture, right? Yeah. It wasn't FM DX. It was still a local. It was just 30 minutes away on the other side of the border from where we were. But, uh, but yeah, you, you kind of, you, you start to understand how people are where they are, you know, and, yeah. uh, it is a shame though, that these days, you know, there's a lot of things disappearing now. I mean, AM broadcast, I think is always going to be there, but short wave is going, you know, it's, it's getting a little bit, a little bit empty on those bands. There's, there's still good recently. stuff. There yeah. is, but I think the BBC, right. They, they just announced they were shutting down a couple stations, but the yeah, BBC's some of stations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but there's still, like I said, there's plenty plenty still to listen to on there yeah there's there's good stuff actually uh mom her new book just came out on thursday of last week the global radio guy the summer edition and one of the things there's an article in there about kind of circumnavigating the globe using shortwave radio today like how Mm -hmm. you can travel around the entire world listening to shortwave radio today there's there's still a lot out there and i mean i kind of was kind of thinking a lot of the same lines i was like man there's just there's not, I mean, I grew up on, you know, there's Dutch Welly, there's Radio Netherlands, there's Radio Canada International, there's all these amazing broadcasters, and a lot of them are, are gone now. They're, they're online only, you're just gone. And right. so I was like, what's left? And this article from Fred Water, I was like, oh, there's still quite a bit there. And, you know, those tropical bands are another one. There's always going to be those kind of regional, out in the middle of the Amazon type places, and you hear more authentic local music. You hear more authentic local programming that you're not going to hear really anywhere else. I mean, you can stream it, obviously, now, but there's something, you know, I'm the streaming guy, right? I was the guy that wrote the streaming column, and, you know, that was great, but there's still something about sitting there at one o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, and you have the crackle and the static, and all of a sudden that station fades up and you hear pan flute music or, you know, the religious programming or whatever it is that you're getting in there. And you know where that's coming from. And there's some, right. it gives me chills just thinking about it. It's just there's something really special about that that you can't duplicate by streaming it because it's no. it's something that you did to overcome the atmosphere and everything else and the noise that's working against you to put up an antenna outside or wherever it might be that's grabbing that signal from far, far away and bringing it to you right there. And that's right. And that's your, it's your physical connection to it. Like yeah. you have your finger on the dial and on the volume and the tune. You know I mean, it's, it's something that's tangible to you where it's on a, on a computer. It's like it blends in with everything else. I mean, yeah. it's, it was that whole thing too with down radio is, is echo link. So considered ham radio is, is D star DMR and all. Cause, cause now you're, you're not, you're not talking to somebody over the radio over all these countries away. You're bridged in over the internet. So is it still count as a DX station, right? Can you still call CQDX 
even though you're walking, walk, you know, using your your two watt HT to get to the local repeater site. But again, you know, it's everybody's got that, and I'm not here to to, to have that argument or whatever about that. But because I know people will chime in on that, you know, after the fact. <laughs> but it's it it is that thing, right? You said it's 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 live. It's something that is coming over the radio that you have a connection to because you know that it's it's over the air. It's not over right. the internet. So it's it's that much more realistic and and like you said, it's got more of that feeling to it. And uh, again, your mom's book now it's available or the or the publication that's on Amazon now, mm-hmm. right? Text on Amazon, find the link. Uh, the website's teakpublishing.com. That's T-E-A-K, teakpublishing.com. The link is up there when you go to the page. You'll you'll see my little video I put together for them. But after you get out of that, you'll see there's the link for the, the summer 2021 edition. Excellent. And then really quickly, too, because we've been doing a lot of talking about AM. When you do FM broadcast mm-hmm. uh, DXing, how, how different is that for you as an experience? Yeah, it's a whole other ballgame. Admittedly, I... You know, I was, I was before we got on here. I was kind of looking at my logbooks to kind of compare. And you know, I've got 573 stations here in Charleston on AM radio, and about 1,400 stations lifetime on FM. I have 116 stations here in Charleston and 250 lifetime. So you can see there's a massive gap there. I've not done near uh, the amount right. of a- FM DX that I have AM, but part of that is you know there's there's a more confined, tighter window. Summertime is your your window for FMDX. You hope for a good, what's called sporadic e-opening, and that's where you're sitting there listening to your local station, and all of a sudden you hear somebody in Texas or Oklahoma, and you live in Georgia, wherever you might be. Right. So it's it's a it's a whole different ball game. There's different types. It was actually the first time I appeared in Monitoring Times. I wrote it was back in June of '96. I wrote a primer on FMDX on how to do it. Um, it was FMTBDX101 was the name of it. Actually, I have it up on my website, dxcentralonline.com on the uh, FMDX section. And it basically was talking about, you know, here's the different kinds of propagation and what they mean. And here's how they impact it. And, and literally, majority of the year, you turn on your FM radio. You'll you'll have some exceptions every once in a while. But you turn on your FM radio, you hear the same stations. You know who you're going to hear. It's when those stations aren't there or there's a, a frequency where there's nothing and now there's something. That's when you know you've got some kind of conditions going on, whether it's e-skip where you have that kind of stuff bouncing off the e-layer of the atmosphere, could be tropospheric ducting where you have some weather caused enhancements that are especially along coastlines. We get them here in Charleston every once in a while where the weather is just right so that that signal bounces a little bit differently. And all of a sudden now we're listening to stations in Florida instead of South Carolina. Right. So it's, it's to me, it's, it's a lot more challenging. It can be very, very rewarding, though, when you get one of those openings. And this was something Dad always taught me, and I, I struggled with it for years because I'm one of those gearheads. I'm like, no, these guys are DXing with a nine-element beam. I want a nine-element beam. And he'd say, <laughs> you don't need that, Lloyd. When right, when, right. East, when the e-skip is open, when the FM band is open, you can have a telescopic whip on a toaster, and it's going to pick it up, right? So, I mean, it's... It is true. I mean, when the band is open, the band is open. And that's, I think, for me, one of the great things about FMDX is anybody can do it. Anyone can do AM too. You you can. But there kind of gets to this wall a little bit with AMDX, I feel like, where to kind of punch to that next level, if you're wanting to do that, you have to take a little more investment money-wise into radios and antennas and stuff. Kind of like what you were talking, right? You put a wire out in the air. Used to, that was enough. Nowadays, with noise and everything else, not so much. But FM 
man, I, I can sit here. I have a little Sony Walkman radio. It's got the not even a digital readout. It's just one of those you kind of turn the knob and little little mm-hmm. box kind of moves along the dial. And with that, if the FM is open, I can DX FM. Car radios are fantastic FM DX radios. They're good on AM. They're great on AM too. But FM DX in a car is just so much fun, especially if you can get into a higher elevation. So I think for anyone who's out there, if you're wanting to get into either AM or FM DX, this summer is a great opportunity for you. Just right now, go get an FM radio and learn what the band sounds like where you live right now, who all the stations are that are in your local area. Where do you have an empty frequency? Where do you have maybe kind of a, there's a, there's a station there, but they're kind of far away. So it's real staticky. And I normally kind of don't ever listen to it because I don't want to listen to static, but maybe now I want to pay attention to it to see who it is, you know, learn your band locally. And then this summer, when you start getting those openings where things start acting weird and all of a sudden you hear Minnesota popping in, you'll notice it. And it can be a lot of fun. And it's, it's kind of an adrenaline rush where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing Nebraska right now. They're talking about farm upstate updates and stuff. And yes. you're like, we don't care about farming in, in you know, right. Delaware. And there's no, no, no farming updates in Delaware or whatever it might be. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a very rewarding hobby because in the blink of an eye, you can go from eh to everything's there. And it's yes. so much fun. And then the worst part is everything's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a short amount of time, like I had one, we had one opening last year here in Charleston on Eskip, and I was in the car. I was going, I was making a trip out to the store to pick up some stuff. We'd be having a little barbecue, and I was coming back from the store, and there was Texas coming in. I was like, "Oh, we got it finally! I got an Eskip opening. It's Texas." And by the time I got inside, unloaded the car for the groceries, went upstairs into the shack, turned on my FM radio, they were gone. Yeah. Yep, it, that's that happens. <laughs> we we did it once one year with uh, Hambury with Field Day too. It was uh, oh yes, we had the we had the six meter tent set up, mm-hmm. and um, so that's on fifty megahertz, whatever it is. And we happened to contact Alaska, and we had it set <sighs> oh. up. We said, okay, as soon as Field Day starts, we're going to make contact with each other, and then we'll move on, right? And it was okay, good to go. You know, as soon as it starts, we had the countdown going, and it was two p.m. local time. As soon as Field Day started. They were gone. Nor be found. Gone. You couldn't. Yeah, it was. It, it, it closed up shop. So it's six just meters, that quick. Yeah. Six meters is one of my favorite bands on on ham radio. I, I I sometimes tend to when there is an opening, I know it's getting into the FM band, and I know I should go over here and do some FMDX, which is why my logbook is kind of barren. But I get mm-hmm. fascinated and stuck in on the six meter part because right. if if that that maximum usable frequency is getting up into the FM band. Right. It's, it's traversed through all those VHF frequencies up into the FM band. Guess what? That six meter skip is getting super, super short. I'm hearing stuff there now that I would normally never hear. <laughs> so it's right, kind of right. hard to break away from that. <laughs> and then uh, so really quick, I just had another quick question for you. So let's say somebody wants to get started. You said in FM DX, it's pretty simple, right? Just go out to your car or just grab a regular radio and you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it. So we talked about different antennas, different kinds of radios, everything else for AM. If somebody wanted to go out right now and they just said, let me try AMDXing, let's talk about really quickly, what would you recommend as a beginner piece of hardware and a beginner antenna for somebody just to go out right now and just start with the hobby and just get their feet wet a little bit? Yeah. For AMDX, it's, it's pretty similar, actually. I mean, that's the great thing about both of these is almost everybody has one of these radios in their home, right? In some capacity. And I think, you know, a car radio for me is one of the, if you have a, if you have a vehicle and you're doing, you have a car radio that's worth anything. 
that's the easiest way to kind of get into it for me. Just go out, sit in your car, put it on the little part where you just have the radio on, you don't have to crank your engine up or anything, and just tune around. Nighttime is the best time to do it because that's when you're going to hear your most distant um, catches. You'll notice things like, you know, if you're on the East Coast, for instance, you'll hear things like, you know, here in South Carolina, I can hear Boston any night I want to. I can hear New York anytime I want to on multiple frequencies, Chicago, Detroit. I can hear down into Cuba every single night of the week, all year long. I can hear all the way into Georgia. I can hear far west, like New Orleans, like you were talking about. I can hear into Arkansas every night of the week. I mean, I have this huge swath of the nation that I can listen to. Um, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, every night of the week, they're there. And so you, you'll start to get to where you'll know these. I mean, we have a lot of information that will help you out on our website. Um, just go to dxcentralonline.com, click on the DX101 area, and there's there's stuff that will teach you all about radios, about antennas, about propagation, about AM and FM um, kind of separated out. But, yeah, just grab a grab a car radio, tune around. If you don't have a car radio um, or that's not going to work for whatever reason, no worries. You can get a very basic radio. You can get something like a C-Crane radio. It doesn't have to be anything super, super expensive. They have a, an antenna built into them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think for a, for a beginner, a, a portable radio like that that has an antenna built in is, is usually kind of the, the start, right? That's where you get going. And then you realize if I turn the radio the on the AM right, side, at least, bar if I turn it, right. right, it's inside. You know, you'll see people listening to AM radio with their whip antenna. I'm like, no, 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 no. Put that back down. <laughs> Put that down. <laughs> turn your radio in different directions and you'll be able to see what you have there. And that's because that antenna is inside. And so, you know, just tune around and see what you can hear and just... Take a simple spiral notebook or a piece of paper or legal pad or whatever you have or your memo thing on your phone and just write down whatever you're hearing and say, you know, I was on 1040 kilohertz. It was like 10 o'clock at night and I was hearing the station that called themselves WHO and they said it was in Iowa. And now, you know, you've just logged your first radio station. And then you start to do that. Just go frequency by frequency and see what you hear. Some frequencies you'll hear mush and just a bunch of stations. Don't worry about those. Move on. Come back. We'll come back to those. Go find you a, a frequency with a nice, very clear station and see who it is. Top of the hour is your best time to hear them identify who they are. Bottom half of the hour is usually somewhere in between 25 and 35 after the hour is another good time when some stations will ID. Um, you'll also learn there are commercial breaks that kind of happen in between there, somewhere around 15 and 45 after the hour. Sometimes a lot of stations will do commercial breaks in there. Sometimes the ID, sometimes they don't. But top of the hour in the United States, they're legally required to ID somewhere between mm, 55 after and about five after or so um, is usually when you're going to find those in there. So just get you a little portable radio like a C-Crane or one of those a little Sony, um, Texan, Sanjian's another good one. Just find a little portable radio that's got the built-in antenna. And just right. if you're really noisy in your house, see, you know, if you have a park nearby you can go to or somewhere you can drive and just kind of park somewhere, listen in. Try to get outside if you can. That gets you away from the noise. Like sometimes with my Sony portable radio, I'll just go sit on the back patio and just sit there and, and, and tune around and just get to know the band. And then as you get to that, you'll have more fun with it. And you'll say either this is for me or nope, not for me. And if it is for you, then you can expand beyond that. And now you're talking about adding more expensive radios and more advanced radios, outside antennas, stuff like that. 
Right. Again, it's, like I said, it's one of the things I enjoy doing. Just going outside at night, either fire up the fire pit or grab uh, a little adult beverage and yeah. sit outside by the by the fire with the radio in hand and just tune around and, and see what I can pick up. So yeah. it doesn't cost much to get, you know, to get started with the portable radio. And uh, like I said, too, even even these loop antennas, if you want to step it up a notch, I mean, they're not mm-hmm. they're not going to break the bank either. I mean, some of them out there are less than 100 bucks, and, you know, they'll, they'll tune around pretty well for you. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and two, you know, if you ever, if you're looking to get into AM or FM DX, you know, obviously check my website out, dxcentralonline.com, but you can always ping me as well. I try to put up a lot of YouTube videos on our YouTube channel that kind of help for beginners about getting started in certain things. But, you know, if you have a specific question about, Hey, I'm trying to get started on this one area. I want to look at radios. I'm looking at these three. What do you recommend? Things like that. Just go to Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash DX central. You can send me a direct message. You can, you know, tag me in a post or whatever. You know, I always want to help out fellow DX, especially newer folks to get into the hobby and, and enjoy it. So never hesitate to reach out to me direct. I'm more than happy to help provide some guidance for you. And, you know, I'll tell you exactly you know, if I if I have experience with the radio, I'll tell you if I like it or not. If I don't have an experience, I'll say I don't have an experience with that one, but I have it with this one and I'll tell you about that one or not. You know, that's that's one of the good things is, you know, I am looking at eventually at doing some sponsorships, but it's not going to be for anyone that I'm kind of beholden to. Right. I don't want to ever have that situation where it's like, well, I have to say nice things about that radio. No, I'm going to tell you if it's a piece of junk or not. <laughs> there's, well, that's, there's that's usually part of the sponsorship. It's like I'm yeah. going to tell it like it is, but you can still sponsor me. Yeah. Yeah. You're more than welcome to be a sponsor. But <laughs> yeah. if, if you put out a, a hunk of junk, it's going to be mentioned. So, yep, exactly. I, I'm always going to help out DX. So feel free to reach out anyone that's uh, excellent. Listening. Excellent. And a really quick story again, too, before I let you go is uh, I was reading one of your blog posts, too, about where you went on vacation and you had set up the, the loop on the balcony <laughs> and, and, and you had the, the, the your computer set up to do scheduler, right? You had the schedule set up to start doing the mm-hmm. recording. And every every day it was like another uh, it didn't record. Now it did record. but There's nothing there. Or, you know, it was it was like the last minute you were running out of time. And it just reminded me of the same, it's the same way I operate, right? It's like, I had, I, I knew I was going away. I knew I had to set this up. I knew that, you know, I was going to try and do this, but let's wait till I actually get there before yeah. I start doing this. It never fails. So I did a trip with down Atlantic City recently, before the, the whole pandemic thing. And it was actually the Christmas before. And it was the same deal. It's like, you know, I'm here for four or five days, but it was finally like on the last night. So oh, let me take out the scanner so I can hear anything that's going on in the casino. Right. It's like, well, let's wait till the last minute before we find anything out. Or yeah. I took a cruise once and it's like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to leave port now. So let me see if I can find something really quick before we leave port. Yeah. What <laughs> frequency like I need to it. have? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, ah, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, in Bermuda, Bermuda, wherever it was we went. And it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll worry about chasing frequencies later on, but you know, it never <laughs> fails, right? You want to go away and it's, it's still part of what it is you do, right? I, I don't go anywhere without having some sort of radio in my, in my back pocket mm-hmm. or, you know, in my bag and that kind of deal. Lately, again, like you, it's been software to find radios because they're easy to carry and nobody really yeah. knows what they are. I mean, somebody's going to see a radio, but same time too, I bought the Uniden BR330T because it did do AM and it did have the bar antenna in it. And I kind of grabbed that radio from National Electronics back in the day because that was like the only scanner and, and since then the only scanner that does am broadcast band so um you know i figured that was also the best of both worlds but um 
like I said, I, I do follow you on Twitter and I'm also subscribed to you on YouTube and a lot of good stuff going out and your website is, uh, is looking really good. I, I'm, I'm kind of jealous of how clean and, and how polished everything looks over there. So thank you. Congratulations on getting everything going and the I mean, pandemic is at this time when everybody's kind of rediscovering hobbies or finding something new. And, uh, especially when it comes to the radio world, I mean, you can't find some radio gear because people are picking up old hobbies or something left behind or something new and uh if you're going to be stuck at home i mean this is definitely a way to to take a listen to the outside world you know something right. that's more than just your neighborhood so Lloyd, is there anything else you want to bring up before we uh we split for the day so i'll tell you a couple of stories here you had mentioned earlier kind of your folks both being in cb and, and stuff like that so I'll tell I'll tell a story here on mom and dad that I'm sure will they'll appreciate this one and probably a lot of folks have similar kind of experiences. So, mom and dad actually met on a CB the first time they ever so spoke my, to each so other. So did my parents, right? <laughs> they met on the CB. So they had some friends, uh, some mutual friends, and the first time they actually got on to the CB and that's how they talked to each other for the first time was over mm-hmm. CB radio. So quite literally, radio brought my family together that that's how we exist as a family is because of radio and then you know obviously dad back then was a pretty big amdxer and, and he kind of got mom into it she was kind of like i don't know about all this stuff but he got her she kind of saw the joy that he had with it and got her into it and she started kind of dabbling her feet in the shortwave radio part but it was it was cb radio that's where it started for the two of them yep so same with my parents it's amazing yeah, right <laughs> yeah so it's it's always i remember that was the one of the other areas that I kind of really got into when I was kind of a teenager was there was this little resurgence of CB in the early nineties. And I was right there with it, man. I had my little handheld walk, uh, walkie talkie, my 40 channel radio shack walkie talkie. And I remember saving up for months and months, every yard I cut money into the, to the CB fund. I was looking under the cushions for coins into the CB fund <laughs> and couldn't, I mean, I was just, I was so happy to finally have that. It was like 92, 93. And then right after that's when I found I was, we were living in New Orleans and this is another good option for you folks to talk about AM radio that when it gets started, I was laying in bed and I had a little GE clock radio sitting next to my bed and I used to use it to listen. Uh, we had a local station channel six there in New Orleans and you could actually listen to the audio part of TV at 87.7 kilohertz, right there on that low end of the FM band, right? You could right. pick up just the audio only, right? So I used to sit there and listen to that. And after, you know, Saints games and sports games and stuff, I listened to their, their sports coverage at night and stuff like that. Well, for whatever reason that night, I flipped it over to AM and I was tuning around and I came across a hockey game. It was St. Louis Blues hockey. And it was, you know, St. Louis Blues hockey right here on 1120 KMOX. And I had a book that had that my dad had given me that had all the AM radio stations in it. So I got up, went over and looked at the book, and I realized it was in St. Louis, Missouri. And I just, for whatever reason, I don't know why, that blew my mind that on this little clock radio next to my bed, I was listening to St. Louis, which was just up the river from us in New Orleans. It wasn't a big deal, but it was mind-blowing that I was hearing that. And the from that day, for like six years... Hardly a day went by when I wasn't doing AMDXing. I mean, every day, night, mornings, summertime was just me DXing AM. It was just, it was a lot of fun. I really have enjoyed it. It's been a, a great part of kind of who I am, right? Um, has mm-hmm. been this DX side. And then to take that knowledge when I got into radio and be able to apply what I knew about radio 
from listening to all these radio stations. I knew what the formula was. I knew what I should sound like and what I should do. So it helped me in my radio career by having that kind of knowledge already. So, so yeah, that that's the whole radio is a family thing. My dad did it. He was really big in AM radio. And when I started getting into it, he got into it too, uh, again, kind of refound it again. And so we would right. stay up late, you know, DXing together. He'd be on one radio, I'd be on another. Like, is that KNX? Are you hearing KNX over there? Yeah, that's KNX. All right, awesome. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, just having that opportunity to share that experience together as a family really was a lot of fun. So you talk about radio as a family kind of thing. And, you know, I remember DXing with my mom, tropical band stuff, listening to Ghana and all these others with my mom sitting at the dinner table with a little portable radio. And she's like, now hear what they're saying right there. That's their ID right there. And that right there, that's called an interval signal. That's when they're about to start transmitting. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And just learning all (laughs) about that from your family. So if you, if you're in a situation where you're, you've done this kind of DXing before you're getting into it, never hesitate. You know, I know this is an internet digital world, but kids are going to love this stuff too. You just have to, you have to kind of introduce it to them and show them why it's cool. And um, that's, that's part of what we're doing on the YouTube channel is trying to show the fun side of this DX stuff and kind of how anyone can really do it. So don't be afraid to, to share with your kids because as a person who was a kid whose parents shared this with him, I can tell you absolutely to, to know and appreciate my parents doing that because it's, it's been a lifelong fun trip for me here. So that, that's an excellent story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. All right, Lloyd. Well, I want to, Definitely thank you for spending more than an hour at this point, right, on uh, on the line with us. So I, I said 45 minutes tops, and we've, we've gone beyond that one. So, But uh, thank you very much for not only sharing you know, the stories about you and your family. And, I mean, your family's been – it's one of the – when you look around, right, because you guys have been – doing this for so long and, and uh it's it's one of these deals that you know i follow both your parents on on twitter and and been following in the magazine world for a while and i think it was right your dad just completely tore apart his entire shack recently right and rebuilt <laughs> it with a thousand monitors and all that stuff too so because i did that this. recently uh, yeah see that's that's, that's how this yeah, goes see, <laughs> see yes, exactly. I, I did a complete shack remodel it went multi-screen last year and now he's uh-huh. he's been doing it and then I found out not long ago, I completely tore my garage out and put a workbench in for antenna work and stuff. And then uh-huh. he was like, we need to go do that, Gail. We need to go get the garage in order. <laughs> so <it's>, <laughs> we <laughs> kind of play off each other like that, right? <laughs> I so. mean, I got I got three monitors in a box over here. I got one on the desk and three more ready to go. Yep. So I'll be right behind you. But I built this whole <laughs> this whole desktop here just for, you know, SDRs and multi-screen and the whole deal. But it's... Uh, this hobby takes you in many different locations, but uh, it sounds like, you know, you know, if anybody wants anything to do with broadcast band, FM or AM, DXing, DXCentralOnline.com is a great way to find you. Also over on Twitter, right? It's DXCentral and mm-hmm. also on YouTube is the same thing. So mm-hmm. great content, great stuff. A lot of helpful uh, tutorials on there as well. And also some great stories as you know, we talked about just before with uh, with your trip down into a uh, New Island. New world. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. And we're, we're also now doing uh, live streams too. So we're doing live oh, DX sessions. We did one last night. There was a DX test. So, you know, trying to hear the DX test, which we heard, which was great. But one yes. of the great things for me is being able to interact. So if you're there, you're watching one of mm-hmm. our live streams, you can you know ask questions in the chat. You can say, hey, can you tune to 740 real quick and see who you're hearing? I want to see if it's the same thing I'm hearing and you know stuff right. like that. So we can bounce off each other. I tried to teach 
during those live streams, like what I'm doing, why I'm DXing a certain way, when I'm doing certain things. Mm -hmm. So definitely AM and FM, we do both. So try to catch one of our live AM FM DX streams. If you subscribe to the channel, you'll get notified when we go live. I also post on Twitter um, to notify people, hey, we're going live at this time or whatever. That's the first place you'll hear about is on Twitter. So you know, definitely okay. follow us there. Anyone who is interested and just wants to see what it's all about, definitely check out one of those live streams because it's a great introduction to it. Excellent. And maybe after we, we hang out with this, I'll tell you, tell you what I do with my live streams. We can compare notes really quick on, on that stuff as awesome. well. So I found live streaming is, uh, is definitely a lot of fun. It's, it can be yeah. addicting. <laughs> yeah. It, when you have people doing it with, alongside with you, I always tell you, you know, grab your radio DX alongside with me to let us know what you're hearing. It's so yep. much fun because you have that sense of community with it. So I, I really exactly. Exactly. All right, Lloyd. Well, thank you very much for being a part of the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And uh, I would love to have you back sometime in the future as well. I think we've uh, we've done a lot of stuff here, but I'm sure there's plenty more that we could talk about, about uh, DXing and, uh, you know, just besides AM and FM and whatever else is out there. Yeah. So I know there's, uh, AMF is, uh, with, uh, DXing TV stations and mm -hmm. different things now with DRM and all sorts of stuff. So if you want to come back and talk about any of that stuff, I mean, you just let me know. Love to be uh, love to be back on, Phil. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And thanks all for listening. All right. Well, thank you very much. Lloyd, I want to thank you very much for spending time and having a conversation with us. This was really a great I, I want to say it was a great interview. It's, it, these aren't interviews, right? These are conversations with somebody else who enjoys the hobby, right? And I really enjoy having guests on the podcast and sharing their stories. And I want to invite you to be a guest on the podcast as well. So if you're listening right now and you've got a story to tell or you got something else in the hobby, maybe it kind of sort of relates to the hobby but not totally there, right? Drop me a line. Scannerschool.com slash guest or go to scannerschool.com and click on the guest icon underneath the podcast link. And that is how you can book your time to come on to the podcast. Again, we record these, we send them to an editor, and they take care of everything, and they do a great job making me sound good. So <laughs> they'll help you out as well. So don't be nervous about coming on the podcast. And again, share this podcast with somebody else that you know that may be interested in FM and AM DXing or just a scanner radio hobby in general. Because again, it is my goal to help as many people as possible with the scanner radio hobby. Just like Lloyd's goal is to kind of help everybody else with DXing, right? We kind of go hand in hand here. I really enjoyed our time on this podcast today. So like I was saying, share this podcast with somebody you know who enjoys either parts of this hobby. Share it via email or Twitter or Facebook or an email list or whatever it is you have, right? Just direct them over to scannerschool.com slash session 177 is the link to this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player. If you're on YouTube, you can subscribe over there as well because we do copy the podcast to YouTube. And also, if you have email, who doesn't sign up for our email newsletter? One final reminder I need your questions for the next upcoming Ask Scanner School podcast. You can go to scannerschool.com slash ask to submit your questions or by clicking on the speak pipe link or by dialing 516-308-2885 and leave me a voicemail and you may be in the running for a free tutoring session. All right, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. I know I did. We'll catch you all again next week. Again, my name is Phil Lichtenberger. My amateur call sign is W2LIE and this is Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner or radio hobby. 73.